Hey guys, welcome back to What's Up Grimes. I'm Jen. I'm sitting here as usual with MK. Hey, MK. Hello. It's a Saturday at 12, which is nice. This is, uh, I think, a different time than any time we've ever recorded before. Anyway, we have the honor of sitting here with Katya. Katya Lee is a Russian-born, New York-based conceptual artist, and we're so excited to get to talk to her. Katya, would you mind giving us a little bit of information about yourself just to start? Hey guys, so good to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. A little about me. I used to um, I used to do pop music uh, in Russia, pretty successful. And then I decided to change my life and pursue my uh, real calling, which is to do what I script, not what other people script. <laughs> it's kind of like what every pop artist goes through, every pop star goes through when you're told what to do, how to dance, how to dress. And uh, when I found so many times that I disagree and I just uh, bought a ticket to New York and decided this is where I'm gonna write my music and make my art. Let's start from the beginning because you've had an incredible life. I want to go back to 2006 actually, which is when you started performing with the band Hi-Fi. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started with that? It was kind of a Cinderella story. Uh, you guys got to believe in Cinderella stories in order for them to happen to you. I'm telling you from, from my own experience. <laughs> so um, because I didn't have, you know, um, a rich daddy, I didn't have a rich boyfriend. I didn't have, I don't know, all these people have the, who supposed to kind of like grant you a career. I didn't have any of that, so I thought somebody is just going to discover me one day. And and it was this karaoke place that was booming, and I, I, got a, I got a proposal to work there. And I thought, oh my God, I'm just not going to sleep. I'm going to miss on all of my uh, morning sessions at the university. But, you know, months through, somebody's going to notice me. So, so two weeks through, this band walks in, there is a video somewhere. They have it for sure. They walk in with a camera on and they film me singing. And this is like at that time, imagine imagine you're a little boy and and sync is like the biggest band. And then they walk in the room and they ask you, do you want to be part of us? This is kind of how it was. Hi-Fi at that time was a band, the, the hottest band. And I like their, their music the most out of all the Russian artists. And I still think they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. So they, they asked me to be part of them, and I said, and I, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> but next morning, I was on a flight to Moscow to talk to the producers, and that's how my career started. Wow, that sounds like a whirlwind, like mm-hmm. you said, Cinderella experience. So when you were involved with the band, sure. how could you collaborate? How did you add to any like the lyrics or the songwriting? Did they write it for you? Or were you involved in that process? So all the all the lyrics and, and music was written for the band. Prior me joining them, it was a frontman and another guy and another girl. And the girl basically didn't sing. She was just there for because she had beautiful legs. And <laughs> and when I flew to Moscow, I said, "You guys, I'm 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 so like honored that you picked me, but I, I'm not gonna join because." Um, I know the girl doesn't sing in your band. Uh, on my own, I might do better because I'm a real singer. <laughs> he said, wait, what? 
<laughs> and then they promised me that you're gonna sing, don't worry, the first song is gonna be your solo and then you're gonna shift from the front man to a front woman, blah, blah, blah. So, so I said yes and that's how I took part in like I, me and, and the producer who would write lyrics and, and music, we would just meet up and sit in the studio and work on things and the, the next three songs I did have an impact. Some of the melodies in all of the three songs were written or inspired by me. The situation in Russia, artists doesn't get to receive the royalties. Uh, all the artists prior, let's say, few years ago, uh, were basically kind of slaves. You know, you get the fame, you get the recognition, you get the first class flights, and you get all these people running after you, asking for uh, an autograph, and you get some kind of lifestyle, which is great, but you don't get the royalties. This was one of the main reasons why I left Russia, because I thought this is unfair and, and the world is, is already past that. And I wanted to, to, to be in a society where artists are treated differently. I had no idea that that was the case. So this is enlightening to me. And it looks like you stuck with Hi-Fi for about four years and then you joined Fabrica. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a very, I gotta give them credit for this. Lots of businesses in Russia are done without a uh, contract, just a handshake. We had a handshake. I trust you, you trust me. We're not gonna betray each other. So we did, but in our <clears throat> agreement, they promised me that I'm gonna be a front woman. And because of the crisis and, you know, hard financial situation in the country, I saw that my role was shrinking and because they didn't want to invest in us, uh, any any band, any artist, it's, it's an investment. And if you don't invest in it, then how do you expect a return? Uh, so I thought I just gonna, I don't like it, I'm gonna leave. So I left without any punishment or anything because we only had a handshake. A week later, uh, the producer from Fabrica, which was at that time way bigger than Hi-Fi, called me in the middle of the night, like at midnight. And I know of him, I just don't know him. And he, he said, we've heard you were single. Because <laughs> they said it on TV, how I, I am so heartless and I left them right on this holiday where there's this religious holiday where you're supposed to say, uh, you know, forgive me and God will forgive you. Everybody's supposed to forgive each other. So when I left them, I said, and by the way, it's a forgiveness day, so forgive me. And they're like, well, she's so heartless. She left us on this holiday. We can't even be mad. So Fabrica's um, producer called and said, we heard you were, you're single. Do you wanna, do you wanna have lunch? Let's talk. That's how I joined Fabrica. So you went from that career with Fabrica and then something would have caused you to finally say, okay, I'm ready to move to the United States and do something different. When was that for you? Uh, it was another five years with Fabrica. Yeah, so it's five, five. So I to okay. totally had a 10 year career of touring the hell out of the world. Like if this is the life I dreamed of when I was a little girl, to be a pop star, mm -hmm. to, uh, to live on airplanes, to, I, I had like platinum membership on every airline passing through Russia. I wow. was high-fiving stewardesses walking in um, airplane because we already saw each other this week four times. You know, <laughs> it was it was great. But then but then that it was just 
you know, when you grow up, you realize that your dream to be a pop star is not exactly what you want. It's kind of deeper. This is a consequence of your dream. But what you really want is to translate, to, to, to give people something from inside of you, your vision of the world, to try to make it better, to try to make them forget of the hardships, to try to make them believe in themselves. And that's not through Fabrica's music. I never liked it from the beginning and they knew about it and I told them and I kind of like took that job because when you pop star yesterday and today you're nobody's kind of hard and then mm. there's a new opportunity and that never happens in, in show businesses that never happens. Nobody comes from Spice Girls into Backstreet Boys. It just never happens uh, because you, you carry your persona. Even if you don't write lyrics or music, you impact the image of the group. So that's like, that's very uncommon in, in any country to join a, one band, like one character of band to another. That was new and, and I, I was like, it was, it was an incredible experience. I'm super fortunate and thankful for that. But five years through, I realized that I'm just, I'm just delaying it. I gotta go. <laughs> so. so when you get to New York, how did you shed that pop star status? It was always interesting to me how it's like to, because because I really matured, like my whole grown up life happened on stage. It's not real life because everybody's running after you. Everything is free for you. Everything is given. Every, everybody's like, yes, yes, please. So it's not true. <laughs> and and you, you grow up and just thinking this is how it is. <laughs> And, and I really wanted to experience different life. And I, I like the way English sounds. So I thought it'd be great to go uh, somewhere far, far away from our culture to a completely different one and have this experiment of my mind, of my brain. How can I acclimate and how can I make my art that doesn't depend on any language? Like, do I need the language? Do I have to belong? Do, do I really, should I be categorized by a zip code uh, or is it, because I don't believe in that. I'm an anarchist. <laughs> I don't believe in countries. I don't believe in flags. If we cut me open, there was there's no Russian flag there mm -hmm. and no zip code, at least for now. Maybe in the future, they will start doing that to people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got the map of Manhattan and I picked middle thinking it's got to be center and Penn Station. So, so that's where I got a hotel room and I regretted it immediately. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know no English. I didn't know English. <laughs> like I didn't know a word in English and I didn't know a single person there. So it was it was refreshing. I have so much to say after what you just said. One, <laughs> your English is beautiful and you've only been speaking it for ten years. Eight years. Eight. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Insane. Thank you. The second thing is, it sounds like for you, planet Earth is your home, not a country necessarily. You just don't relate to belonging in one place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because, you know, this planet is just as much mine and just as it is yours. And don't you want to go and explore and see other people and other cultures and dip into other beautiful creations that's what i wanted to do and i really like the way english sounds i remember listening to songs thinking one day i will be fluent in this and it's so funny when i'm like even now walk on the street and i hear a song from you know when i was 11 or 14 
and then in real time I have this translation of what it is actually about and I'm like wait what <laughs> I thought it's so deep and it was text <laughs> yeah I think that's absolutely beautiful. And since I got into the Grimes community, I've met so many international Grimes fans where they sound very much like you. They can translate in real time. And it fascinates me. Speaking of creations, Katya, one of my favorite things about you is your fashion design. Can you please talk to us about that? Because everything from bodysuits and the reflective surfaces, how did you get into that? It's just in the family. Mom is creative. Dad is creative. But we just live very, very, very simple life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to perform and I needed to something to perform in. So my mom was making me dresses because we just couldn't afford buying them. And that's where I was very creative. I'm like, well, make it this way, make it that way. And then when I went to Moscow, I could afford to just like hire people and tell them what to do with my outfits. And so I found this kind of partner, a, a seamstress who was in her 70s, and she was bored out of her mind doing all these suits for men. And then <laughs> it's me who comes and says, I have a, I have a premiere tonight. We, I have to wear something. How about this, this pink fabric? She's like, that's not enough for a dress. I'm like, let's, let's, let's combine it with this red. She's like, okay, so we're making it and it looks like it's, it's like red piece here on the pink piece. I said, do you, do you have paint? So I dip my hands into in this paint and I, and I do that. And I did, dip my manicure scissors and I put them in, in, the, in the red nail polish and I, and I put them as a necklace and I show up at the premiere and I look like I murdered someone with this scissors. <laughs> and all the reporters write about my outfit instead of the freaking premiere. And this is how it was all the time. And we had so much fun with the seamstress and I didn't even think about it. I was just making it because I was bored to go to this like whatever events where we had to go. And instead of drinking champagne and being published in the in the end of some magazines that nobody cares about, like I am the talk of the town. <laughs> it was like that. So when I came to New York, I didn't even think about it. I just wore a thing I wore, I made. And we walked into, I think it was Oscar de la Renta. I have a snippet of that video. It might be even on my uh, laptop because I was just going through my archives. So I walk into Oscar de la Renta because my friend wanted to buy something for his mother. And Russians are all like brands and all of that. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice brand, but like I couldn't care less. And all these buyers surrounding me and I'm in this like weird uh, I think it was even a sheep coat, like it was a prototype, the one that I eventually made for Grimes. And they're all around me because Oscar de la Renta is a store with these gowns, everything is like for grown-ups. And I'm in this like sheep coat with hoops and, and horns and like a tail. <laughs> and, and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, bah, bah. And they're like, do you have a business card? I'm like, oh no. Or do you have a website? I'm like, no. They're like, well, do go get it and let us know. <laughs> buyers and my boyfriend's friend filming it he's like you walking on money that's kind of how it started here speaking of the sheep's coat how did that relationship start with grimes i liked her art for a long time i thought she was really cool for a long time but i had no idea about her russian roots and her obsession with the like what her the way he, she likes the the culture and i had no idea and then 
years later, I'm at this like small get together singing on stage. And then I see Grimes standing there. <laughs> and then after we just talk and she's like, you know, giving me compliments and, and I'm wearing the fur and she's like, where'd you get this? I said, I, I made it. She's like, oh my God, I, I want it. I'm like, well, I can, I can give you another one because I have, I, I made five. It's only five. Next time I, I saw her, it was a some birthday party that I just brought it because I thought she might be there and she was there. And then I see photos, she's wearing it everywhere. Yeah. Which makes me very happy. Yeah, she yeah. looks adorable. She's all swallowed up in it. She's seen in paparazzi photos, actually in Germany, in yeah. it. And then she wears it, obviously, on Alter Ego set. She looks adorable yeah. in it. And this is a cute story because, for some reason, I just assumed her stylist, Turner, had seen your page and had reached out to you. I think it's so special that it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation and oh. she was like, wow, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she just liked the piece. And then once I had this Burning Man, we, um, you know sunrise we're dancing and there's rhymes and and i am cold because i put my jacket somewhere i cannot find it and she says do you want my coat that's your coat i'm like yeah i would love i would love it so she gave me her coat that's my coat that's so cute and we plan to ask you about burning man here in a second talking about your fashion in general it's very futuristic and you define a lot of your fashion from what i've read online is futuristic what is it about that style that does it for you was always impressed by superheroes because it's kind of like my personal story is very much a story of any superhero who was like bullied in the childhood and had to figure out how to deal with it. So I liked that they were definitely a protagonist in, in, in the story because I knew ever since I was 13, I'm a protagonist in my story. I'm, I'm a good guy. Even if I don't have the superpower right now, I can't fight with the entire uh, class of kids who are just like, boycotting me don't want to talk to me because uh, you know I'm on TV and I'm missing school but at the same time I'm the best student in the school so they are like really didn't like it and I thought well maybe I can just dress like a superhero first I, I can dress not like everybody else uh, because I don't want to be like everybody else because everybody else boycotting me so I have to be different from them and, uh, and this idea of violating the dress code just made me feel very, very happy because it made me feel like myself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's no secret, clothes makes you even walk differently. When you wear something like, like a dress or when you, wear, when you wear a baggy piece of clothing, your, your walk changes, how you, how you conduct yourself changes. And it can really help people with their self-esteem. And so I started making these jumpsuits with like underwear on top and things like that. I don't know if you can see, there's like the, there's a plaque there, like in that corner, I'm standing in the jumpsuit with like underwear on top. But that was like 11 years ago. It was no category of this kind of clothes. And now every Dua Lipa wears a jumpsuit mm -hmm. with like kind of underwear lines. Everyone, superheroes, superheroes. <laughs> Speaking of your fashion and how aesthetically pleasing your posts are, can you talk mm. about what the dichotomy is with showing aesthetically pleasing outfits and then introspective descriptions underneath? Mm. Uh, well, that's kind of my problem with Instagram because I feel like here versus Russia. In Russia, 
influencers, they write posts, you read it. Here, nobody really reads. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like minimized to like very very little of information but I try and I, I hope people read and thank you so much for letting me know because I, I really thought there were like literally two people reading it <laughs> and <laughs> might be you <laughs> two people <laughs> uh, aesthetically pleasing I don't even know I guess I'm not trying I just um, I like this idea of um uh, g g given given a, a subject, uh, whether it's Grimes or whether it's somebody else I make the outfit for, I want her to feel like this warrior, you know, who's against the mainstream, who's against the power, who's, mm. who's one against everything. And it's not about sex, it's not mm. about boobs, it's not about um, that at all. But she can't help being beautiful. Speaking of what's written underneath your stories and in, in your posts, just like MK said, we we read them. I read a lot of your Facebook posts. Facebook is just this beautiful collection of who you are through posts. In October, you actually made a post about how your your mother's daughter and that she made you a gorgeous bag out of your own pants. And you mentioned that your parents are creatives. What's your relationship like with them? How do they inspire your work? I'm super close with them. I. I right now my dad has cancer so I am I'm really worried about it I'm far away and because of this bullshit with uh, borders and documents I I'm in this position where I either have to start my documents for the green card and that means I'm gonna be uh, trapped here for a year mm. which is it, it, it's insane that somebody has to be trapped in the country for a year because they started the process mm. <laughs> uh, and if I don't start it, then my visa runs out and and then I won't be able to come back here where everything is here. And I don't start it because I'm afraid something happens to my dad. So I start my day with calling mom and I finish my day calling mom. It's nine, it's 9 a.m. At 7, I had a call with mom and dad. They're creative. My dad just gave me this dragon he made i think i posted it in stories he carved it out of wood it's this like intricate beautiful dragon it's just like he's just like okay i'll make it it's just it's not what he does it's just like you know on friday mom was always creative she was always she taught me how to work with paper make flowers and when i was seven i made my first project flowers with paper and i and i saw this little shop selling candy and gum and i went there and i traded my flowers for a bunch of gum <laughs> i was seven <laughs> it was my first money made Aww. out of my art and i realized i'm gonna be an artist i don't care about all these normal jobs no I'm so sorry to hear about your father and his illness. And you would talk to us a little bit about that in DMs and our hearts broke for you. And grief seems to be a theme lately in a lot of your posts, not just with your father, but with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Can you tell us how that affected you at the time and how it's still affecting you? It's like my whole world fell apart because, you know, when you hear news about the war somewhere far away, you don't really acknowledge it. For mm. Americans, a good example would be 9-11, you know? Mm. They all hear about wars, but when 9-11 happens, they're all like, oh my God, it's a disaster. But when, if you compare these numbers to like the war they hear about, this isn't, can't even be counted. Like it's, it's that insignificant to the amount of people died in the wars that, let's say this country's making happen. 
so when this happens to the people you actually know and the people you care about and and the war started by the country i am from it's just this like reevaluation of reality and disappointment in humankind because like you thought that you know what's good what's bad and you know you know more or less of the level of evilness of power and now you just know that it's so evil and nothing you can do and they're just conducting this like war and these people go killing each other and none of them want to do that by the way and both of them are in big trouble and it's just i mean my life is kind of like on pause and i'm just i'm just counting days until it's done Katya, you're expressing something that I've heard many other Russian citizens speak on, which is the disappointment and the grief of this is our country and we don't necessarily agree with their politics and it's difficult that we are... Very much don't agree. Very much don't agree. Yeah. 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 We're like put into this label now of Russians and and what, what Americans think of that, even though we don't agree with the country's stance at all. Well, it's just, it's just the, this problem is called generalization and it's, it's all over, it's everywhere. You know, I was, I was, I took some time last night and I listened to this Kanye's uh, interview where he's talking about uh, Jewish people and how like, Mm -hmm. you know, what's, what I was like, I want to know what's, what it's all about because just everyone's talk about it. Everyone seems to be so upset about it. But what really, what, what, what he's saying is he's generalizing uh, Mm -hmm. Jewish people as one. And this is what's happening with the Russians right now. They're all generalized. And, you know, like my, I know people who are like trying to live their life, trying to like put their children through school in like Switzerland, where they were, they were there since they were nine. And now they're 40 and their kids go to school and the school doesn't accept them because they're Russians. Yep. And I'm like, well, what kind of world are you trying to build if, if you planting hate in kids from the very beginning? It's not going to be a good outcome. You can't generalize people by the actions of their power. And also Russia is the biggest country on our planet. You can't say somebody's Russian because this is the passport they got. Like I, for example, my last name is Lee. Mm-hmm. I am more American than any of my American friends I know. I have Native American blood. So am I really Russian? I don't know. How do you filter all of this into your art? I love the stage of life series that you did with the silkworms are so beautiful. Just can you talk us through your process and how you filter your frustration and grief into your art? With the silkworm, I think there's a lot of photography there. I actually just leaked. I I just only put the backstage. What you saw, it's just backstage iPhone video. But I was I was at my mom's house, and my girlfriend came to visit. And she's in. It's it's crazy. My life is crazy. (laughs) I studied with these people. I went to school with them. I performed with them. I come back. A friend I performed with is now minister of culture. Another dude who used to announce me on stage is the president of Ukraine. And my friend who's like, I went to school with is an incredible artist. I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) What am I doing wrong? (laughs) It's crazy. So my girlfriend became out of my my cool friend. She became, she, she morphed into this incredible artist who just like creates these concepts through photography. 
and and also she works with hands so she sews and she makes these I, I don't even know how to explain it in in that video she tagged in that video so go check her profile she's incredible and and she speaks about the war a lot and about because it's it's so interweaved uh, Ukrainians and Russians we all have Ukrainian blood we all date Ukrainians we are all they're part of our families we all, we all have families there so it's really like it's really hard for us to start like hating them or because because they're a part of us it's like can you I, I don't even know how to explain this America will start hating Dallas you know <laughs> it's like what <laughs> We were talking about everything, and I told her a story about silkworms. How one summer we, uh, my mom and my dad, decided to make some money, and they took on these silkworms, and how I witnessed the whole process, and how I helped, and how eye-opening was this life of the silkworm, where you think everything has a, a reason and a purpose. Like I think my life has a purpose, and then I see a silkworm that is just born weaves this little, eats, eats a lot, sleeps, weaves this um, little cocoon that is so perfect. And then we just, if we're on time, we just boil it, boil the silkworm alive and get the silk and make a beautiful dress. Or if we're not on time, it just like cuts out a hole, it gets out as in the form of a very fat butterfly. <laughs> And I can't 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 really fly far because through the centuries of domestication, it got really big because you feed it in order to um, create a lot of silk. So they become obese and they can't fly away far. So they fly away somewhere on the next tree. They quickly have sex with somebody else, make babies and die. And I'm like, this is it. This is your mm -hmm. whole purpose to make somebody else's silk dress or just like this. And maybe this is my life too. Maybe I really can't do anything about this war. Maybe, maybe there's no like purpose of making this world better. Maybe the reason for me existing was just to like contribute to, I don't know, this conflict or I don't know. It's this very existential pro problems <laughs> going through my head right now. And I think that comes out in your writing. You're so eloquent in your writing. And the reason why MK and I laughed a little bit earlier when you said your life is crazy is because we watch your stories and your life is crazy. <laughs> you are like on the go. I don't know how you have this energy. I don't know how you do what you do. Do you have a team that you work with or is it just you doing all of the things? I am I am a one woman show. No, I don't have a team. Although I would love some. <laughs> I am. I think my statement from now is I'm looking for think alikes. I really wanna. I really want like an army, a team of people where we can just team up and create something beautiful together and create opportunities for other people like me when I was 11 who really wanted to create but did not have opportunities or, or or just saying things putting things into art to just like helping people to understand certain things because they didn't have a front seat view just like I did because I lived in all these three cultures I didn't just hear about it from the news mm -hmm. I was there and my view is very very different from the view of somebody who's never been outside of LA because 
it's not secret. There's propaganda everywhere in every country, and it's mm -hmm. very strong here in America. It's like well, it, I only realized that when I got out mm -hmm. to visit my family. I'm like, holy shit! They don't let information in. Uh, yeah, looking for think alike. So I made this last night. Uh, oh, <laughs> so cute. And I gather these leaves. I'm just I have it all around, so um, so I see it and I think about it. Like these leaves, they're um, so pretty. I'm gonna probably make some kind of like crown and a dress covered with all kinds of different leaves and, and uh, just yeah. yeah. In August, you posted about your commitment to not outsourcing materials. That must yeah. be a difficult balance with how fast-paced fashion is and the trends rapidly changing. Can you talk about how you keep that in check and balanced? Yeah, I think I should just start talking about it more because this is my problem is I, I, I don't share. I have thoughts, but I don't share. Mm -hmm. um, this has been my uh, view for, for quite a bit, for maybe um, five years because I've accumulated lots of fabrics, lots of supplies, lots of everything. And when I move places, this is what's important to me. All these fabrics and wires and stuff is like trash, you know, not, not like clothes. And the idea of fast fashion, how badly it affects our planet and really like the planet will be okay. It's just what we're killing is the, uh, we are destroying the opportunity for uh, humankind to live on this planet without problems. That's what we're doing. Because the planet will be okay. It's just going to shake us off and everything will be fine again. But if we want to survive, we just got to be mindful. It's kind of like when you walk into a restaurant, you just like don't, you're just respectful of everyone and everyone's respectful of you. You don't throw things on the floor. This is kind of how we got to act with the planet and we don't. This is where I want to go with my art. So many times I had an opportunity to scale um, my designs to have like, I don't know, make lots of dresses, make lots of pants, lots of this, lots of that. But um, I don't think the world needs more pants. <laughs> more we pants. agree. Because <laughs> oh, yes. We yeah, hate pants. If we, stop making, yeah, if we stop making them today, there's still going to be enough of pants for the entire planet for the next 10 years. So they burn it. And, and they poison the planet with all of that. And my commitment is just... Well, it's been, it's been my commitment for a long time, but now I, I just have to voice it. I'm preparing a show, a gallery show, where every piece will be made of like recycled stuff, trash, like old toys, uh, wires. And every piece will be about a problem that is contributing to climate change, which is essentially the biggest problem for our future generation that's gonna face living uh, on our planet. Don't you want your children to not be like from a Hollywood movie where everything just like collapses and they have to survive? I, I don't want this future for my kids or kids of my kids or just kids of my neighbors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And it's fantastic that you're so involved with that because Grimes is big on this as well. She came out with merch about a year ago, a crop top. It was the only thing in her merch store. And it was really important to her that that be sent with as few materials as possible. So all you get is a bag and a shirt when you get it. And I think it makes her nervous to send out merch because of the amount of waste that we're putting back into the environment. So that's fantastic. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, when I receive all these little, I don't know, it was, it was some, somebody sent me this, you know, like promotional thing, think, thinking I'm an influencer, send me a thing. Yeah. And it's like a box. And in a box, there is a lot of packaging material uh -huh. and it's a lot of like cards and stickers and stuff that goes directly in the trash. Mm -hmm. And it says, we're like conscious about blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Absolutely. And it drives me nuts as Christmas approaches and I'm getting these boxes from Amazon of gifts to send to my friends. And you know, as well as I do, you have like trash bags full of crap that they've packaged in this just to send you one little product. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. a box like this for a little thing. I'm like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I want to switch gears to Burning Man. We know that that's really important to you. Tell us about how you got started going to it and how involved you are with it and what it means to you. I, just like everybody else, had this preconception of Burning Man that it's a place where a lot of people who do drugs go. <laughs> I'm not like that. Like, Ooh, why don't we be like that? <gasps> You're going to be around people doing drugs? <laughs> and I'm, I'm from Russia, so we're like, it's a very conservative society where drugs are punished and drugs are bad. And then in the first year, but, but, I, but I knew that something about Burning Man is calling me and I had it in plants. So it's just like somewhere there. And and the first people I meet in New York, they're all burners. And mm -hmm. they said, let's go. I'm like, well, I don't do drugs. They're like, you don't have to. It's totally cool. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go and check it out. And, and when I went, and my whole world just like turned upside down and life was like, before Burning Man and after Burning Man. That's how big of an impact I had, it had on me. <clears throat> because Burning Man is not like, a, it's not a festival. Have you girls been to Burning Man? No, I know a lot about it, but no, that's not, I don't camp, I don't do outdoor things, but I love listening to other people's experience. I'm more of an indoor kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first time camping, by the way. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I knew it was going to be hard. It's it's not for people who like enjoy camping. It's not because it's going to be hard. This is the hard part. And if it was somewhere, you know, like by the river where the weather is always nice, I think it would turn pretty dark, dark very soon. And because it's um it's hard, everything is hard about it. It's hard to eat. It's hard to move around. It's hard mm -hmm. to live. It's hard to just like get rid of this dust all the time. That's why I think I think it's kind of like similar to where I'm coming, where I'm going with the whole existential crisis idea. You gotta have, you gotta go through hardship to understand the real value and where you are and to appreciate. The first of all, the amount of creativity and, and people who come there, despite of all this hard hardship, is just mind-blowing. And all of them come not just to show off. Mm -hmm. They come to change people's... To just affect them like they affected me, for free. To come and make your life be never the same again. And they believe in the world that is better. You know, you walk into a, a temple that where you see your people of every religion next to this chick doing naked yoga with her vagina right here and everybody's fine with it you know everyone's fine with it and then they get out and they go home and then they start hating each other because they yep. remember that 
oh, I'm, I'm Jewish and I'm, I'm Palestinian and I am, uh, I don't know, Ukrainian and I'm, I don't know, whatever. This is kind of in incredible that they're capable to do it on micro scale. And you get a sense of this society where it's not about money. So I, I, and I don't think it's worth to um, try to convince anyone. It's, it's going to happen to you if, if there is a calling. And if not, well, you're missing out. <laughs> At Burning Man, what is your favorite thing to engage in? Because everybody seems to have like their favorite thing they like to do. What is yours? It's, it's like a magic land where you just have to trust it and, and just let it happen to you. Favorite thing is A, find revelations, which just happens all the time, and B, um, meet incredible people because you don't know who they are. You don't judge them by their cover. You just like, you just, they give you this brochure, what happens on which day, where, and which camp, and you just like throw it away mm -hmm. and you just ride your whatever vehicle and you just ask people hey where's this thing and then you start a conversation and then six hours later you're like this is the most interesting conversation in years it sounds like a spiritual like experience almost for yeah. you it's completely a spiritual experience it's 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 first and foremost spiritual experience it's it's like you're going there to upgrade your operating system that's a really good way to yeah. put it. It's just a, it's just a refresher with people that are like-minded and you go from there. Yeah. Plus, it gives you a really good opportunity to show off some of your incredible fashion because I think some of my favorite outfits that I've posted to my stories when we announced that you were going to come on came from Burning Man, if I'm not mistaken. There's one like silver one with reflective stuff all over it. Mm. Yeah, and the Cosmic Girl. I love that. that. Good. Thank you so much. I think this is an opportunity for everyone to just envision themselves as who they think they are because so much freedom there and they get to just be all these princesses and princes and I don't know, like warriors. And you get to really see who they would want to be if real life didn't happen to them. Yeah. I'm going to continue to watch your page and look from afar from inside my house with the bathroom and the bed and my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will live vicariously through you. Ironically, we reached out to the Burning Man team um, and we're waiting to hear back from them after filling out their application to talk to some of their folks on the podcast as well to get their take as people that manage it because it really is fascinating. Yeah. 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 They, they're really beautiful people. But this idea, I think it's so much respect from me and so much um, adoration and it, what they've created is, is movement and culture and yeah, so much respect. As we wrap up here, going back to your music, we know that your new single, Falling Is Out, is a new album in the works. What can you tell our listeners about what to expect from you musically? It's it's so, it's like one of my biggest problems. Like I make, 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 and then I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna release that. It's too old. It's like, oh, I don't think this way anymore. Uh, this is not cool anymore. Like when the pandemic started, I went to, Memphis to work with this producer, uh, which I thought was like, oh my God, I get to work with Justin Timberlake's guitarist. Holy shit. Like all the Russian friends of mine would be like over the moon and I'm like, I'm going to post about it. And I never did. And, and now that the song is out, I'm like supposed to talk about it. And I'm like, what? I don't think it's cool anymore. I mean, it's sure it's cool. The guy's super professional and in the like because I wrote the whole EP 
next to him under his supervision that grew tremendously uh, in production, writing, all of that. But it's no longer how I feel right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but it, the whole, so the EP is kind of like a soundtrack to a graphic novel that I'm working on, forgot about it. Uh, the graphic novel is about a girl from the future. She looks like this. Oh yeah. Ooh. She looks like this. This is um, uh, illustration made by my uh, Russian fan, and she just like we morphed into this. Like, I no longer make that music, and she's no longer a fan of that. But we're friends, and she's incredible. I'm gonna tag her. I'm gonna post something, and I'm gonna tag her so you guys know she's incredible. So she's doing all the illustrations, and the novel is about a girl from the future who comes to save the world, and the music is like a soundtrack. And falling is about the moment when you fall for someone, and you know it's not gonna end good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you're kind of like telling yourself, "Oh my God, no, turn around," but you're not. And I just, I just uploaded a song, just like literally just now. Uh, it's gonna be out in two weeks, I think. So you're supposed, as an artist, you're supposed to do it like four weeks prior and then you're supposed to like promote it and tell everyone. And I'm like, I'm never gonna do that anyway. So I'm just gonna upload a bunch of music. So this upcoming song is about the war and how I feel in the midst of all of that. I gathered sounds of sirens and gunshots and explosions and people screaming in riots and I turn it into music. So this is what's to expect. Can't wait to hear it. I think so many people will relate to that and we'll be your promotions team posting to ah. our page about your stuff coming out soon. <laughs> Katya, we are so fascinated by you. Thank you so much for joining us and taking an hour out of your very crazy schedule to talk to us a little bit about you, We'll post your socials, obviously, in the links below. If you guys want to check out Katya's stuff, please follow along with us so that you can see more of her fantastic creations. Thank you so much, Katya. And we will be back later this week with more content from What's Up Crimes. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Kay. Thank you.